Last month, I was sitting around a fire pit with several other ministers of various faiths. One of the retired ministers, who is also sometimes serves as an interim, was talking about something she had done at her recent interim gig, and she used the term legacy healing. One of the younger ministers was all over that. What did you call that? She said, legacy healing. Legacy healing, said the younger minister. That's what I need. The term stayed with me, along with um, the comment, that's what I need. And my own question, isn't that what most of us need? Legacy healing? If we can imagine even what that is and what it would look like. I imagine it would be a little different for each of us. In the intent of the minister who brought it to her congregation, it was in the context of stories from the past, stories of hurt and betrayal that had happened within the congregation itself. And her question was, what do you need to let go of this story? What do you need to heal so that this story doesn't keep you trapped, but allows you to move on and make choices? make different choices, and in the context of the congregation to support a healthy system. So what I, I would ask you that now, what, what are the stories that you tell about your life or that are true about your life that you would need to heal? What, what would you need in order to let it go to make different choices in your life? Our transformational theme for November is holding history. And there is a lot of history to hold. We each have our own personal histories and our own histories with this particular congregation. The congregation itself has its history, as does our Unitarian Universalist faith. The Commonwealth of Virginia has its history and our nation has a history. If recent school board meetings are any indication, there's a history that needs to be held and told and more, to, more importantly, a, a greater history, a larger truth, a more thorough story than many want there to be, and certainly more than most of us were taught. And there are those who are afraid of knowing the truth and of the true story being taught. As a meme I saw the other day read, those who threw rocks at Reedy Bridges for trying to go to school <clears throat> are now upset that their grandchildren might learn they threw rocks at Ruby Bridges for trying to go to school. We get to hold that history too. Most of us realize the racist past of the United States. Some call racism the country's original sin. It began when Europeans showed up thinking that they had discovered a new land as if no one lived here already, as if they were the only ones that mattered. If you're curious about these stories, I recommend the book, The Earth Shall Weep. And I recommend that you find the section that pertains to where you grew up and read that first. And then be curious about the other places and other people and other books and other stories. Our personal histories have shaped us and made us who we are. If not because we chose to be like those who shaped us, than because we chose to be different from them, a different way of being. As hard as it can be, not just sometimes, but often, the truth really does set us free. There is something about owning our past 
that's required for personal healing, wholeness and transformation, and for healing of the collective. Last month, several people in this congregation participated in the Owning Our Religious Past workshop. Whether we grew up UU and have stayed in this faith or grew up in another religious tradition or with no religion at all, at some point we make a conscious choice to be here, to be a Unitarian Universalist and to be in this religious community in particular, even if we didn't know what we were in for. Making that choice is a way of coming into our own. We share our stories, we tell the truth, we hold our histories. This Unitarian universal faith that we hold is quite beautiful on its best day and even on its merely good ones, but it has some horrid days too. As we heard from with our Time for All Ages this morning, Reverend James Jordan was not treated so well. And his daughter, Annie, though she dedicated her entire life to serving the school and the Universalist Church, fared no better than her father and was all but forgotten until recently. We often hold up those who spoke, who spoke up for the abolition of slavery without acknowledging those who refused, absolutely refused to take a position. Yes, we had our John Quincy Adams and Theodore Parker and Lydia Marie Child and Benjamin Rush. But we also had William Ellery Channing, one of our luminaries, who took a long time to be convinced. And President Millard Fillmore, who signed the Fugitive Slave Act into law. There were those who had their financial interest in mills, banks, and shipping, who were reluctant to take actions that would threaten their own financial interests. And then there were the Indian residential schools. Yes. Sadly, Unitarians were involved in at least three attempts to make these schools successful. During the late 19th and early 20th centuries, with our focus on science, Unitarians became enthusiasts for eugenics. We had at least one, if not more, times in our movement when there was what was called, what, we, what white people called a black empowerment controversy, but the African-Americans in our, in our faith say it was really a white power controversy and it was white people not wanting to give up the power they had. More recently, with the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement and other groups in the movement for Black Lives, we had our own internal awakening to systemic racism in our denomination. And there were people who were hurt in that process, many. And then there are those who double down, and you may be surprised to hear, Unitarian Universalists who were speaking, speaking out against critical, critical race theory. If you had to miss the discussion on critical race theory, please look at your past weekly emails from Gabby and look at the watch list for the videos and articles. It will give you a good overview as to what critical race theory really is. We share our stories, we tell the truth, we hold our histories. In this congregation, we also have our history to hold truths, truths to be told, our legacy to heal. Over the last four and a half years, I've heard stories about this congregation, amazing stories that are fun and worth retelling, stories of saying, let's stop being so down on ourselves and let's call it a covenant of loving relations, stories of someone falling off the roof and onto the outhouse and 
stories of youth trips to Boston and Crab Feast. But those are not the stories that need healing, are they? The stories that you tell again and again, stories that still hurt or make you angry, or you just know are not resolved, events that happen that created trauma. What are those stories and what do you need in order to move on? We share our stories. We tell the truth. We hold our histories. We survive it and we heal. Like Sankofa, it is okay, more than okay, to go back and get something that we forgot or that we willfully ignored or that was written out of the history that we are taught. It is disappointing to hear these things about this fate that we love. But only in naming these truths can we move forward into the true power and potential of our principles and purposes. So let me say a word here about being uncomfortable and guilt and shame. After I began to truly do my anti-racism work, and that was when I started working with a Unitarian Universalist congregation. But after I started doing that work, dismantling the white supremacy in me, recognizing how we're just steeped in it, we, it's the water we swim in. Um, it was after one particular workshop, and actually the first workshop that I did, I spent six hours driving home from Phoenix to San Diego thinking, I'm a racist. That's all there is to it. And that's all I can ever be. Six hours in the car turned into two weeks, turned into two years. I didn't stop reading or listening, but I stayed in that place for a long time, feeling pretty horrible about myself. And then one day, you knew it was coming right. I was a staff person for a workshop at church, making sure they had what they needed and all of that, but sort of listening and mostly hanging out near the door. And across from the door to the workshop was a bulletin board from the Journey Toward Wholeness group at the church. So I was reading it and there was this article about how most white people begin this work and then they get stuck saying, I'm a racist, I'll always be a racist and that's all I can ever be. And they stop there. Well, then they said that that was pretty much a cop-out and to get over yourself and get back to it because it doesn't help anyone, least of all you. So just let that go and move on. So I did it, right? In that moment, it's like, oh, holy, holy moly, this is me. So I got over myself. It was the best thing I ever did. We can all get stuck there in that guilt and the shame and being uncomfortable. Just be with it. Just be with that discomfort. Come talk to me if you need to. Or show up on Wednesday nights. We learn all kinds of things that help ground us for this kind of work. But shame does not help anyone in the long run. Listen to some of Brene Brown's work on shame if you need to. And now, speaking of discomfort and shame, and telling the truth, I have something I need to tell you. Something that I've soft-pedaled to you over the last few months. But I want to tell you the whole truth about it because I know it helps us move forward. Don't worry. It's not anything personal about or about any person here. It's about the land acknowledgement slide at the beginning of the service. I ask you to breathe, to think about where your feet are, who your ancestors are, 
the ancestors that walked on this land before us, the land that your feet are on. And I ask you to connect with your breath and with that land because it's important. But a more honest land acknowledgement, the land acknowledgement that we're, we're really asked by indigenous peoples to do would have us to start our services acknowledging that we live on land that's stolen, that Europeans arrived on this continent with an idea about ownership of land that was completely ridiculous to the indigenous people here. It was a concept that they that was just not even in their in 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 their comprehension. It was not anything that they would have ever thought was a thing to do. I've studied maps and gone to the library and asked about the indigenous people in Loudoun County. The best I can figure, and this is from the most updated map that I found just this week. The map is continuing to be updated. The Manahoac were the inhabitants, and if not the inhabitants, then the ones most likely to pass through. So really, our land acknowledgement would say something like, as we gather together, even virtually, we offer a land acknowledgement, a recognition that the land upon which our church and homes exist is the ancestral land of the Manahoac. And we acknowledge that the ancient tribes whose names have been lost in our, we acknowledge the ancient tribes whose names, whose names have been lost in our history. We offer this acknowledgement as a recognition of law, the long history of the land, long before colonization. We offer it as an uncomfortable truth. May this truth discomfort us. And in our discomfort, may we move through the world bringing justice in every way that we can, listening to the truths spoken to us by Native American peoples, making space for them to re-inhabit this place and giving them back resources they need to heal their communities. May our remembering help us find the courage to do all we can to restore wholeness to the earth and all her peoples. That's a land acknowledgement. One way to heal our legacy as people, as Americans, as Unitarian Universalists, is to acknowledge the land theft. These words aren't meaningless. These words help us recognize that we are benefiting from the colonizers who went before us. The shift may seem subtle, but it's not. We can't change a thing until we name and acknowledge the thing in the, in the first place. Land acknowledgements are movement in a direction of naming and owning our past. So we can change things. What else in your life, in your world, in this church, in society, Need to, need to be named and acknowledged so that it can be healed, so that we can hold the history and the truth, but not be trapped by it. I invite you in the breakout rooms to consider that question today. We share our stories. We tell the truth. We hold our histories. We can survive it and we can heal. And as we do, we walk this path of truth-telling and holding history. May we have compassion for ourselves and others. May we no longer ignore or avoid the ways in which we ourselves are impediments. May we find the soul force that would sustain us and the soul force that would propel us to build a new way, to build a new land where justice will at long last roll down like waters and righteousness like a stream. Amen and blessed be.